Dale Radio is brought to you by Faultable.com. Have you recently done something you wish you hadn't? Try Faultable.com free for 30 days by visiting FaultableTrial.com slash NotMyFault. And you can spread the blame around for whatever to whomever you choose. Download the Faultable app for your smartphone or expensive timepiece and instantly swipe blame to someone nearby. It's easy to dodge responsibility. Why not do it in style? Previously on Dale Radio. And for me, that happy place was always sitting in my special chair with my elastic waistband trousers, watching good-looking single people enjoy each other's company while drinking wine on the end of a dock lit by tiki torches. They're so happy to be unmarried. Oh, my goodness, folks. Hello, it's me, Dale. And you're listening to another episode of Dale Radio coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And uh, I tell you something, folks. I'm surrounded here in my uh, den of recording and uh, looking out over a a foggy, muggy kind of a night. um, And uh, the Gowanus silently in in the background just... Uh, congealing and uncongealing and letting off vapors and i'm 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 surrounded by five or six microphones and various things like this pop filter i just hit with my hand and it's i don't know if you've had a lot of experience with technology but every now and again i don't know if it's an immense solar flare that just is targeted toward in my direction um but it everything just stops working and you say well okay maybe this is destiny it's telling me to just go to sleep <laughs> Now you have things to rest up for and things to look forward to, and the world needs you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Well, <laughs> it's been a long time since either one of those things has happened. Uh, my my tail has thinned considerably. But uh, uh, anyhow, so if, if things uh, uh, sound different to you, uh, that is because I am basically recording this uh, uh, into a milk carton. <laughs> I've got things taped and rigged and going to backup devices, and uh, but I'm committed to you. I remain faithful to you, and I want to give you a great show uh, no matter what, and that's, that's what we have today, and I couldn't be more pleased with this one with my guest, um, just a, a fantastic writer, and she's got a book coming out, and one of these people that are just knowledgeable. You know, you meet somebody that just has a, a well of knowledge. You say, okay, let's spend, uh, you know, some time together on your nice couch in your beautifully appointed home on a warm day as you give me some sparkling water. Yes, please. <laughs> you see, just email somebody and you get to have a nice afternoon. Anyhow, it, it was warm today. It was very hot. I know I know you look to this program for weather. <laughs> Podcasts are the perfect place to get weather and up-to-date information of, of that kind. And it was very warm. And, it, you know, it, I, I gather it's, gonna, it's, it's cooling down. I think somehow there was a storm, maybe a, a big storm coming, um, and then a pressure front that came down from the top, and we got kind of squished in the middle, and we got a weird uh, kind of a day, a very uh, unusually hot and humid uh, kind of a day, but I gather things are going to cool down. As I said, they're going to they're going to return to spring-like temperatures, and the pollen swarms will settle down, and uh, my linen pants will uh, go sit on the shelf for a couple more months. Uh, living in New York or any humid climate, one has to have the right trousers. That is just key, and 
it's no secret, as I have talked about at length on this program and any other that'll have me come to think of it, that I do have some trouble locating pants uh, my size that aren't simply two pieces of all-weather tarp held in place with bungee cords. Sometimes I do shopping at Lowe's, but uh, I go. I also have to go online to shop. It means if I go to Soho or something, no, they don't even carry that size in the physical location. So I, I go online to shop. Well, as it turns out, uh, things are getting difficult on online for Odell, and I had to go into a microsite. Have you ever been to one of these? <laughs> well, I highly recommend it. Uh, it, it. This is a site that's somehow embedded I don't know, kept in the back room of a regular uh, retailer's main site. Here's what it's like. Imagine asking a clerk if they have any in back, and the fellow gets a special key card from his manager and leads you through swinging doors back past the employee washroom and then outside into an alleyway that backs up into a Chinese restaurant. And maybe someone is there sitting on a bucket, turned upside down, taking feathers off a duck, something like that. And you wave hello, but then the person you're with, Kenny, he instructs you not to make eye contact with anyone, and he opens up a pair of those hurricane cellar doors, you know, where Dorothy was supposed to go during the twister. And instead of a group of huddled farmhands, you find one very upset woman named Dolores who has thinning hair and she sits in front of a row of metal shelves like the kind you'd find at Home Depot. Just bare bones and racks and racks of big and tall sizes. Sizes for people like me. Like whatever the male equivalent of Lane Bryant uh, having a yard sale. That's what it looks like down there. And that's what the big and tall section of BananaRepublic.com felt like. I had to turn my screen to landscape mode to select a pair of pants my size. <laughs> oh, anyway, I got them. And on a day like today, they were just fabulous. Absolutely essential. Summer essentials is what I'm talking about. Very lightweight, roomy, even though the website said slim fit. So I guess I discovered that the only good slim fit is the big and tall slim fit, which is probably just regular. Like the woman at Dunkin' Donuts used to say, whenever you wanted just coffee with cream and two scoops of sugar, regular. I'm regular-sized. And I'm happy to have cracked the code, I guess is why I'm telling you. <laughs> and now I want to buy ten pair uh, exactly like this and just have a full closet at the ready uh, for when the warm weather comes. If you hear a little ice in the background, that's because our ice machine was on the fritz. Didn't realize it. You come into the into the main room here, and you see the uh, freezer has been open all night, and your ice cream sandwiches have melted into little puddles. You could, you think they're going to go back when you freeze them, but they they're never the same. Anyhow, we had to empty the ice tray. <laughs> How about that? This is, I I know you're excited to learn about this, but that's what that's what's going on. That's what occupies my brain for most of the day. Is uh, boy, I got to deal with that ice block sitting back there and melt it but it is nice when you put that in the sink and you just put some water on it you it's always fun to see it just disappear this whole solid thing turned to liquid i gather they discovered a new state of matter by the way today while i was working on the ice cube tray somebody out there discovered another another state another thing that uh, uh, can conduct uh, electricity revolutionize the world is what they're going to do anyway today uh good news this is some good news to share the state of matter thing is good, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but we're we're going to be bringing back wonderful, wonderful. Our tribute to Lawrence Welk and his musical family has been named as part of AntFest 2015. That's a big deal, you understand. That's an esteemed hotbed of theater up there, Ars Nova. That's the company, Ars Nova. And they produce every year they do a festival of new theater. 
Antfest, which stands for something like awesome new theater time. And uh, uh, so so we're going to be in that, and it's going to be great. It's a great thing, and it's a festival that I've really, I've wanted to be a part of it for a while. I've tried a couple of times and sent in the email and then waited for not. But here it is. It's coming. And I said, well, um, I'm not I'm not in a real busy period. Let's do an all-new show. So uh, that's what we're going to do. And if you saw the thing at Joe's Pub, which was great, but fear not, if you already saw that, this is a brand new uh, deal, a whole new beast, new material, almost entirely new cast. That's called good planning. <laughs> That's just good planning when none of the original cast can do it. But anyhow, uh, we got a new theme, Summer Flings. I'm excited about that, and it kind of ties into the discussion we'll have today uh, with my guest. But uh, it's going to be great. It's happening on Thursday, June 25th at 7 p.m. at Arsno. That's up uh, in the 50s somewhere, 54th, I think. And whoever sells out their show first gets a, a bottle of liquor. So now I know you you know me <laughs> when it comes to liquor. Won't you consider going online and buying some tickets? It would be fun to win something in this life, anything. In other plug news... Our season concludes. How about that? Seven seasons and a movie. (laughs) On May 26th at 8 p.m. at The Pit. Come on out to see me chat with Aparna Nanchurla, Emma Willman, Sharla Lauriston, and Josh Sharp. A lot of the same sounds you have to make with your Sharla Sharp, Nancharla, Aparna. Steve O will be there, and I bet he has lots to say wrapping up the season. Always, Always keen to hear if he has some opinions on things. Tickets will be just $10 for a lot of comedy and a live experience like no other. Now, my conversation with writer and just all-around terrific person. I tell you, it was just great to go there. And uh, Jennifer Ashley Wright is her name. And uh, she she's a columnist and uh, contributing writer to a lot of different things. And then she's got this book about the breakups, which we'll talk about at length. But really just impressed with somebody that ha- has a kind of you know, vast access to knowledge and uh, uh, can can converse on a great many things. And if it happens to be a very warm day in New York and you get to, you know, ride up in a nice uh, old-timey elevator and uh, uh, have a cool glass of sparkling water and a well-appointed home, well, by gosh, <laughs> there's worse things you can do. You know what I'm saying? So by all means, uh, write a book and uh, respond to your email when a podcaster says, I'd like to come over and talk to you. So here's a great conversation with Jennifer Ashley Wright. I hope you enjoy it. Goodness, well, I'll tell you, I had a great time coming over here. I saw uh, a celebrity, uh, the gal that was the, the um, she, she helped out at the New Hearts place, the, at, the, at the hotel, the inn in Vermont. Yes, Stephanie, where it was all a dream. Where, she, had, yeah. she had the beautiful well, sweaters. Well, don't ruin it for everybody. Oh, well. <laughs> Stephanie, was that what her character's name? Mm-hmm. I saw her looking radiant, carrying some shopping bags. Mm-hmm. And then on the six train, uh, I saw a guy taking selfies. Have you ever watched that process? I have not watched that process. <laughs> oh, it's because his resting face was kind of sad, kind of frowned, turned down. But then he would turn on the smile on the subway with his 
big choppers beaming. It was very uncomfortable. And I got to laugh. You know when you get to laughing at something and you shouldn't? Uh-huh. And you laugh more. Anyhow, <laughs> well, let me introduce you. <laughs> because our guests are wondering. Forgive me. Uh, today I've come through the unseasonably humid tunnels and bridges to arrive at the home of columnist for the New York Post and the New York Observer, among others, uh, and the author of a forthcoming book, It Ended Badly, all about historic breakups. <laughs> Please welcome with your ears, Jennifer Ashley Wright. Hi. Jennifer. It's very nice to be here. Well, it should be. <laughs> it's your home, and it's a lovely home, by oh, the way. thank you. Really nice. I don't spend much time up here. We won't give away the location, but it's lovely. Just lovely up here. Oh, well, yeah. Thank you. I like it. It's uh, really... A uh, little fella gets you through the elevator? The little old-timey elevator from the 1930s. They have not modernized at all. It's very uh, dark. It's very dark. It's like a haunted mansion. That's, yeah, why, the, I, that's why I chose it. That's why you chose it? Do you? Are you drawn to that kind of thing? A little bit, The yeah. macabre? Oh, aren't you? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't sleep under, like, black lace and that kind of a thing, but sure. Um, Yeah, no, no, I I liked it. I like the view of the church across the way. Is the blanket I'm sitting on real fur? Um, I do not believe it is. I think that is from Pottery Barn. Okay, Um, well, we we appreciate the good good work that they do. And do you prefer Jen? Um, Jen, Jennifer. Either either way. is fine. All right, well, I'm Dale, and it's wonderful to have me over, and we're pairing the podcast with some nice sparkling water, which is exactly what's called for, and uh, I, I want to talk to you for a while. Now, ever since I saw your book come up on the list of uh, uh, you know, my, my monitoring system of great books that I should look at, uh, it came up, and it, it ended badly, is what mm-hmm. it's called, and uh, I think it's key to have people on well in advance of when their book is out. I am happy to do this. <laughs> It's a good way to build buzz, isn't it? Yes. You're yeah. going to see some numbers spike with this. The point is, it's all about breakups, and this show, uh, uh, this podcast, in fact, was fueled, was inspired by a historic breakup, uh, that of my marriage to Ginny P. Lovethorne, I don't know if you've heard of her, now Perkins, the last name, uh, of Oakland, California. I don't know that it warranted being included in the book. I hope it was not as bad as any of the ones in the book. <laughs> well, I don't think so, but when you're going through it, it probably it feels, feels crushing. Yeah, feels crushing, but have you been through some bad splits? I've been through very bad breakups. Very bad oh, breakups. Yeah, no, and that was a lot of the impetus for writing the book, because uh-huh. I was actually, I wanted to write about historical figures, and I write a lot about dating for the New York Post, so... I was hoping there was some way I could wed those two themes, and the obvious way to do that is write about great lovers in history. But I was going through a very bad breakup at the time, and I had no desire to write about great lovers, and I hoped that maybe this would be a book that would make other people in the same position feel a little bit better little bit about better. their own breakups. A little bit better, yeah. help them through the dark yeah, times. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, Well, were you, were you throwing stuff? Was there stuff thrown? Um, I, you know, I, I'm... I don't think I've ever thrown anything. I've I've done I've definitely done the forty text messages of like oh, I just want us to be okay. That's the modern um, equivalent. That probably, is, yeah. Isn't no, it? that's not that's not really behavior <laughs> I'm very proud of. But no, I've I've behaved badly during well, breakups. And so there are many is. breakups, not just one. Or there was one that really the book sealed is the dedicated deal. to all of my exes. <laughs> um, no, I've, I've had some breakups that are very nice, and it's very lucky when that happens. And. Um, my ex-boyfriend actually set me up with my agent for this book, uh, who was his ex-girlfriend. So, 
That well, was, so sometimes that was nice it can to, be okay. Sometimes it's great. <laughs> sometimes yeah. you're better off without them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're interested in dealing with trauma through the lens of history. Yes. Um, I definitely didn't want to write a memoir at all. I think, um, I think relationships are very private. And, you know, I've written first-person things, but I would feel uncomfortable writing a memoir about them. So this was a way to get a little bit of catharsis for myself about some of my breakups sure hopefully help other people without without sharing too much about my private life right well it gives you a little bit of distance it does yeah i'd like to put a lens on myself (laughs) i just started talking that's what i did with this show and i haven't looked back well are you allowed to talk about some of the people that are covered in the book oh absolutely there's 13 Um, couples is um, that true I can talk about my favorite one, oh, uh, sure. which is Oscar Kokoschka and Alma Mahler. I, I and, don't know who those people well, are. Well, Alma Mahler was a super babe. She was married to Gustav Mahler, who was oh, the, sure. Yep, um, Gustav. He, now we're you know, talking. You know, you know Mahler's Fifth Symphony. Yes. Um. Uh, so she was married to him. She wanted to be a composer herself. So, and it was 1918 Vienna. So not difficult time. Difficult, difficult times time to, to be, be a, a female composer. composer. Yeah. So she marries Gustav, and she proceeds to have an affair with every interesting celebrity in Vienna. Um, seemingly completely without any remorse about any of this, has this very forthright diary where she spends much more time talking about, you know, her desire to make music and her artistic pursuits than about the fact that, oh, I'm sleeping with Gustav Klimt now. Um, All the Gustavs. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so she uh, she was kind of this fantastic femme fatale. And uh-huh. um, she met this very young artist um, named Oscar Kokoschka, known as the Mad Kokoschka, who had become somewhat famous for a children's book called The Dreaming Youth, where he wrote poetry, the, 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 the Dreaming Youth. Dreaming uh, Youth, okay. Um, where he wrote poetry that had lines like, Little Red Fish, Little Red Fish, I'll get you dead. I'll put an end to the wriggling you do. This was not popular among parents in Vienna. <laughs> I would think so. Um, no, but it was very popular among a certain intelligentsia. Gustav Klimt was a huge fan of his. So when he was 22, he was invited to a dinner party with Alma Mahler. Alma Mahler supposedly seduced him before the end of the evening. Um, That's he had kind of proposed marriage like. to her by the time the evening was over. <laughs> and Alma, this was not a big deal to her. This was her this was her way. It's a Tuesday. This was a huge deal to Oscar. Big deal. Um, he proceeds to make three hundred paintings of her in the next year. Um, he's completely obsessed with her. He sends her letters about how, like, wherever she is, he wants her eyes always to be focused towards where he is. So that's that's a pretty big ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so Amma eventually ends this. It's, Not interested. Oh, it's too much for her. Now um, she has other pursuits. Exactly. Like that. She goes off. She marries two more people. She eventually dies in New York at 80, supposedly having an affair with Leonard Bernstein. Well. Even though he was gay, she was 80. Um, it's a happy life. Um, Oscar goes to the local doll maker and has to make a giant life-size replica of Alma Mahler because he refuses to ever love any other woman. And it's anatomically correct... He has a doll made. To look exactly like... As young Alma? Young Alma. Well, I mean, it was... The period at which she was seduced. Yep. Um... 
So, yeah, and anatomically correct, so he could perform the act of love. And, and You mean sex oh, doll? Oh, yes, it's the first sex doll, yeah. The and, first one. Yeah, and the thing is, if, well, if you or I did this, yeah. I, I think we'd keep it pretty private. I think probably, <laughs> I yeah, probably your first letter to the doll maker would be like, please don't tell anyone about this. Oscar does not. No. He takes it out to dinner parties with all of his friends. He takes it to the opera. He takes it on lovely carriage rides around the park. And the amazing thing is that his friends are incredibly nice about this. Um, he gets made a professor at the university while he's hanging out with the sex doll. With the doll. People bond with the doll. There are people who felt like they had independent friendships with it. And, Must have been uh, a good-looking doll. A good, well, it, it really wasn't. It was made out of bearskin. It was a very ugly doll. Oh, um, you've seen pictures of it? I've seen pictures. Oh. Yeah, no, he takes photographs of it. It's it's grotesque. Wow. Um, but but he loved it very much until he had a giant party for it, and all of Vienna showed up. They were, again, they would made friends with the doll. They had accepted that this is, this is what artists do, and... We're here to support her. And then he ritualistically beheaded the doll in front of everyone. Well, um, and people were crushed. People as were one very does. upset about it. Sure, yeah. sure. He eventually went on to marry a very nice lady and um, had to flee Vienna when the Nazis came to power. And he's remembered as this heroic freedom fighter against the Nazis. He took in refugees from all over Europe when they were living in London. Um, he founded you know, wonderful programs that helped people immigrate. And if you read about him, you'll probably... First, read about, you know, some of his great artistic works. And you'll second read about the fact that he was, you know, <laughs> a did. heroic voice against the Nazis. Yeah, right. And Keep then when you, when you get Keep to going. the footnotes, you get to, and of course, there was the interesting Alma Mahler episode. <laughs> okay. Well, a couple questions mm-hmm. about that. So the first sex doll. Mm-hmm. We know that for a fact. Probably there was like a bundle of stones or something. I'm sure somebody made like a corn husk doll alone on the prairie. <laughs> right. like, and they I probably, probably there before. was a, a yeah. cave with some uh, moss going on. And then uh, uh, you said that um, uh, bears, bearskin, bearskin is yeah. what it was used to make it. <clears throat> uh huh. And. Uh, uh, he, uh, I mean, I, I agree with you that I would also keep that private. And if I had a closet yeah. full of uh, dolls, mm-hmm. nobody would know about it, and I certainly wouldn't bring it up. No, I would uh, not. I, see, that's on, why on I didn't show. want to write a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite a story. Mm-hmm. That's quite a thing. Yeah. To then to just carry it's like Lars and the Real Girl, that it's, movie. Yeah, which yes, which must be. Surely must that be was inspired, inspired to some extent by. And Oscar is there? I mean, of course, many and. I'll stop and uh, salute all of our great listeners that work within the sex doll industry. But is there some kind of like lineage that they acknowledge from uh, Alma being... Can you still purchase an Alma uh, replica? That is an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I have no idea. I hope that that has made its way, that story somehow made its way into the sex doll industry. Be nice if the if the first uh, you know edition yeah. or something. Uh, she was a very beautiful woman. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure she would make a fine modern day sex doll. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Some people have like to think about the old times or something. Sure. They have yeah. A, if you're really going to go through with a fetish of Vienna, you go go all the way back. Go back to 1918 <laughs> from, from the right. Femme Fatale series. <laughs> well, that gives me a lot to think about. 
How did you figure out just these uh, the 13? Uh, no, well, there were some that I knew I wanted to do. Yeah, um, this so one, obviously. This one, this one, I actually... Where did you hear when, that story? When I was 14, my parents took me to an experimental theater where they oh, had a play gosh. based on Oscar and Alma. So, and that's why. Um, so I 100% uh, knew that I wanted to know more about that one. Um, I knew I wanted to do Carolyn Lamb and Lord Byron because um, they're just two people who seem to enjoy breaking up so much. Right. Um, and um, I there were also some characters that frankly shouldn't be in there, but um, I love them so much as historical personalities that I kind of, <laughs> fortunately, in addition to doing everything else in a bizarre way, they also had some bizarre breakups. Timothy Dexter is one of those. Which is who? Oh, he's um, he was one of America's first eccentric millionaire. Um, oh. He yeah he. Um, he told everyone his wife was a ghost. She was not a ghost. Uh, she was <laughs> sitting right she was there. alive. She was right there. Uh, <laughs> We've been at some parties where you, you, you feel like you'd like to say that. That's, <laughs> yes, that is the crux of that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so there's things we can relate to. In I all, hope so, yeah. In all of them. <laughs> well, did you, uh, so they're not necessarily famous for the breakups, but you've got a couple of them in I, there. And yes. fortunately, they had a Oh yeah, no. And Timothy Dexter is such a crazy life story that I wanted to. They couldn't possibly maintain a relationship. Oh no, no, no. Um, no, And then there are some people who can, who obviously went on to very happy things afterwards. Sure, sure. And anybody you leave out that came close to being the worst? Oh, um, there were. Well, one thing that does bother me about it is um, there are no stories from the Eastern canon. So Mm. I would have liked to get something from Asia in there. and there was one that, um, oh, I can't remember her name now, it was the lady who wrote the pillow book. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and she did. She wrote extensively yeah. about she her She was very book. erotic. She was very erotic. What um, um, Oh, it's Lady, I think it's just yeah. with M. I'm ashamed that I don't remember it. But, yeah, I would have had her in there, but her breakup just didn't seem as bad compared to most of the people who were in there. Right. Uh, so yeah, it came down to Timothy Dexter, her, and she really should have been in there, but um, I couldn't live in a world where people weren't able to talk to me about Timothy Dexter, so. <laughs> well, you've, you've made that reality uh, a possibility. Uh, and uh, what do you think drew these people together in the first place? Um, what do you think draws anybody together in the good first point, place? Good point. Good point. I figure power. Power, probably. Um, I think a lot of it. A lot of it actually is like good old fashioned looks. Like, yeah. um, you know, in some of the cases, not so much. In Lord Byron and uh, Lady Carolyn Lamb's case, um, Carolyn's friends told her that she really shouldn't go out with Byron because he was ugly and a chronic nail biter and. She said, if he's ugly as Aesop, I still must know him. Um, uh, and yeah. Kind of a burn for Aesop. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and, um, what was his problem? Byron, Byron met her the first time and he said she was much too thin to be good. And his friend John Hobhouse said, yes, that's correct, she's a mad skeleton. Um, it turned out she she was a mad skeleton. It's actually <laughs> a great description. Um, but they, they both worked through their. Um, their initial lack of attraction and uh, and made one another miserable for for years, years and years. <laughs>
<laughs> well, certainly the circles I run in, podcasters, mm-hmm. it's all about power. Oh. And the people that uh, meet, you find yourself in a relationship, they get you know a little turned off at, at a certain point. Say, well, you're the one with the podcast, and I don't have one. Oh, I know. And it's it's difficult. To, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there was a problem for Kissinger, too. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I've often pointed to that as an example <laughs> within my relationship. And he's been kind of a model for me, too. Really? Yeah, sure. But the dynamic is tricky. People want balance. Mm-hmm. They don't want Tom Cruise. They don't want Crown Cruise. Well, and yeah, people continue to, to go out with Crown Cruise. He seems unbalanced, though, doesn't Oh, he's, he's mad. Just mad like he's, a skeleton. He's yes. a mad skeleton. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that description. I'm going to use it for a while. Now, you have a background in uh, a relationship writing. I Let's do have a background in relationship writing. writing. Um, well, not um, I write a lot about dating for the New York Post. Dating, okay. So it's a lot of stuff like talking. This week I was writing about um, couples breaking up in Ikea. So yeah. it happens a lot. Listen, I won't place. go there. I won't go there anymore. Really? Yeah, so I won't it's go. It's ended badly? I've had very heated discussions in that section just beyond the uh, the, the, the uh, warehouse <laughs> part. The do-it-yourself do it <gasps> thing. Right in line, right before you get in line. I mean, that is where some of the worst arguments I ever had with my ex-wife happened, right there. What? And you realize you're arguing over tea candles. You are, and you say, yeah. I don't need these anyway. Mm-hmm. So I've often walked out of there without anything. Just mm-hmm. a grumpy mood and an upset Yeah, um, I've heard that from many, many people. And what is it about that? I don't know. Being Um, corralled and cajoled? I mean, I think it's the enormity of it, right? And the fact that you have to take a boat, it feels like you've gone on a voyage. (laughs) Oh, here you have to take the ferry. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've never never been to Ikea with a significant other, so I've not experienced this. I would would avoid it unless you're ready to do Splitsville. But you don't need to... I think there's also something about people attach something to, we're going to buy a couch together. I think there's a lot of stirs up a lot of emotions. Yep, a lot of feelings. Um, Not just, let's go have some meatballs together. Again, everybody said the best thing you can do is just eat the meatballs first. (laughs) Just carbo-load before you go, so you're you're both (laughs) fat and happy going into it. That is the best. And they put all the food after the... It's like yep, after no, you, the checkout. You make a beeline right there. I think there they should put that back. before. That should yes. be in line. You should have soft serve. You, you feel a lot better. <laughs> but I do a lot of coping with food. Um, so what's the what's the what's it like a day in the life of a dating columnist? Oh well, um, you know I don't only write about dating. I write a lot about the history of fashion sure. too. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, gosh, a typical day for me. Um, and let me just say. I'm not asking this because I'm unhappy in my current position and come flyer with me, the nation's premier hander out of flyers for comedies and musical shows up on Broadway. But I'm just curious about what it would be like to have a job where you're, you're writing and thinking about great things all day long. Oh, um, well, gosh, my life is pretty spectacular. Um, well, um, my boyfriend wakes up around 8 o'clock. Um, I get up. I make he, breakfast. Um, uh-huh. He nudges have, you and says, He nudges me and said, make going. me my food woman. And <laughs> I go off and I do that. Um, well, you get pancakes, uh, granola. What's um, going on? Well, they're breakfast brownies right now. So breakfast was, brownies? Yeah, he started a new job. So, what is that? Uh, so a cake, ba- um, layer of bacon? Yeah, yeah. No, layer just, of eggs. Just delicious, delicious bacon baked into brownies. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I like toast and eggs, so we do that. Uh, he leaves around 9 o'clock. I go immediately back to bed. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, no, I sleep until 10.30 or 11. Um, uh-huh. Then I tend to go to the gym. Um, yeah, sure. I meet a friend for lunch. I come back home. Get the creative home. process going. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you, you talk about, for hopefully a friend who will let me talk about Oscar and Alma yeah. for a while. Um, I go home. Um, I probably write for about the next um, four or five hours, probably until yeah. about seven o'clock. Um, I certainly take a break to watch Game of Thrones or Mad Men or what's on right yeah. now. Just anything, anything that's on. Um, so yeah, I write for about five hours and uh, then I usually go out in the evenings. Um, I write a column about parties for the observers. So sometimes, about parties? Yeah, so sometimes there are fun things. In the, so my life is perfect, basically. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's crazy that it's, you can make a living doing this. <laughs> well, uh, I did have a satirical cartoon uh, that won an award for the Columbia School of Journalism when I was in high school. So. It's not so a competition. You know, so it's you, not a competition. You won. So you won. But uh, you know, I get it. I get it. And uh, you said you grew up uh, in Charleston, well, in Midwest. I grew in up in the Midwest. Um, so I'm from Glencoe, Illinois, and we, uh, my family, lives in Charleston now. So we spend a lot of the summers in Charleston, and that's but, how. But is there was there a kind of were you around um, an accent of some kind? Oh, um, my nanny was from Scotland. So it has a little bit of so an impact. That, and I lived in Texas until I was six. So it's a, it's a, it's a Scottish nanny fighting desperately against me getting a Texan accent. <laughs> it's uh, it's unusual. Oh, I know. Isn't it great if if I'm ever on some situation where I need not to be American? Yeah, you could just disappear. Well, I can disappear. Disappear I can have into no it. Have you been to Scotland? Um, I have been to Scotland. Yeah. I've been to Aberdeen and Edinburgh and. Is that where the nanny was from? She was from Aberdeen. Yeah. Still around, this lady? Oh, uh, she actually lives in upstate New York now. Oh, yep. well, that's nice. Keep so. her close. Yep, yeah, she's around. <laughs> you see her? You have her come down? She no, reads all would. of my columns in the post. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Is it a weekly? Forgive me. It's for... not. Um, it's not quite. Um, it's me and some other writers. So it's semi regular. Yeah, I would there. say probably twice a month. Do you have to have a pun to start the headline? Oh, I tried to. Oh. I tried to very hard. I look forward to it. Good. <laughs> and were you a rebellious teen? Um, I think I was mostly a very lonely teen, um, and I think if you are very lonely, then one thing that really gives you a lot of faith that one day you're going to find friends who are interested in maybe books and history and weird stuff, just like you, is um, reading a lot. So, um, so I knew that when I wanted to write a book, I wanted it to write up for people who might be at a place where they are lonely. Um, and, and a breakup is, is one that's, of those places. A, the best way to pick your audience, I think, is to go to an extreme like that. And certainly appearing on this podcast should help you there appeal to some yeah. lonely people. Well, I think I read somewhere that you enjoy the Indigo Girls. Now, not the gifted children, but the, the band, right? Oh, God, did I? Yes, I did. Yes, I definitely listened to the Indigo Girls yeah. when I was in high school. Yeah. Two gals who sang. I, try, yeah. I tried it. I, yeah. I had a friend who was a big Lilith Fair kind of acapella singing, mm-hmm. she drove a car, she hand-painted purple, that I, kind of scene. Yep. You know, and she said she was way into those oh, yeah. um, uh, gals. But I'm not saying I disliked it, mm-hmm. but I liked the Beaches soundtrack more. Well, that's very variety. understandable. Variety. Just wanted the mix, yeah. I couldn't tell you the difference between a single Indigo Girl song. <gasps> they, they all, all sound kind the same. of sound the same, but that's, yeah. that's okay. 
That's yeah. the point, because it's just about establishing a mood. Exactly. <laughs> well, oh, hello to our listeners at Wheaton College. Uh, <clears throat> what, soundtrack to your youth, if you had to pick one? Oh, um, uh, I discovered The Clash in college, and I absolutely loved them. I thought oh. it was great. Um, I feel like it was a moment like other people had with Nirvana. Uh, I just listened to London Calling over and over. At the time, I was dating someone who only listened to Bob Dylan, so I think yeah. that was a sign that we were not meant to be. <laughs> no, those two worlds, it's tough to have them it, together. They can't collide. Yeah, it's yeah. tough to occupy, mm-hmm. it seems to be. And uh, do, you know, do you know Drew Grant? I do know Drew Grant. Uh, she was great. a guest on this show. She also writes over at The Observer. I know she does. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I've written for her. Oh, um, about TV. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a favorite of mine. I like mm-hmm. reading what she is. She's mm-hmm. kind of sad and... Dark and beautiful mm-hmm. in a very yeah. Oberlin way. I know. Um, and, oh, and Ari's doing great. Have you, have you hung out with both of them? No, they're, I have not. Oh, together. I, I mean, I've met couple. the fella, but yeah. what's it like over there? Because I imagine that newsroom from like all the president's men or something. That's the one, isn't it? I okay. guess that's exactly and, the one. Uh, with all the clacking of the mm-hmm. electronic keyboards and the, the um, passing around of phone books to look up contacts. You know, I think the Observer actually does does strive for that more than more than a lot of other <laughs> other newspapers. So, yeah, I think there is an old time equality to it. We've got the guy with the yeah, hat. Yeah, it goes there. along with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, do you think after all this research that there is a good way to, to break up? Oh, I think that's a really good question. Um, well, I think there are definitely some bad ways to break up. Texting. Um, well, no, I don't even think it has to do with the medium. Um, I think, you know, if your relationship was primarily conducted over text, fine, go ahead. Text, emoji? Make it in. Sad face emoji panda. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I is think... Is that it? Is that just so I know? For, is sad that face emoji is? panda. Sad face emoji yeah, panda. That's, uh, that's, that's I don't love you uh, anymore. This is not... <laughs> yeah. The wedding's off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the worst way you can break up is um, telling someone that you might be willing to be with them at some indefinite point in the future if they met some unspecified criteria, because I think oh, that yeah. is the one that will drive people insane. Yeah. Um, it's certainly the one that's driven me insane when, um, when it seems like we could get back together, but I don't know how to change my entire personality right. to make it work. Um so I think, you know, um, from my experience and from the people in the book, it's much better to be very clear on, like, I respect you, I value you, but this will never, ever work. Um, and then not go back on it. Uh, you, you can't call them at midnight when you're lonely and say, That's do you want to come too. over? That's yeah. the thing, too. You gotta, if you're breaking up, you got to hold to it. Exactly, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm just jotting that down in my mindscape okay. so I can remember it. <laughs> well, who do you think is one of the most high-profile kind of celebrity breakup or, or, or people, couples right now, mm-hmm. who, who might be headed towards a breakup, who maybe future uh, columnists will write about when they put out their own book, or if you continue oh, in a new um, edition, which is going to be out November 3rd in mm-hmm. hardcover yeah. of this year? Well, I would have loved to have written about uh, Brad and Angelina and Jennifer Aniston. And oh. um, I think they're the most high-profile breakup of our generation, definitely. Um, but they're all still alive, so who knows how that will play out. That's Maybe right. it'll end for all of them. Um, well, or they'll become a beautiful polyamorous triad. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I had some information about uh, that particular dynamic, of, and I, I'm hesitant to even share it, but let's just say somebody involved with that friend's organization had once confided 
that uh, you know he came on that show. Mm-hmm. Brad Brad came on that show, mm-hmm. and around the time that things were were going south, mm-hmm. and it just turned out that Jennifer wasn't able to hold her own uh, intellectually with him. He was very eager to engage in the world of ideas, and that's what Angie brought to the situation. Um, well, it seems like he also came from a family where they cared a lot about his brother is kind of a famous philanthropist who yeah. works with people in Africa, and it seemed like Angie would blend in awfully well with that family dynamic. It makes sense. Yep. And it's probably comfortable for him, too. Probably. I like that we figured out Brad Pitt's whole life. I like that we feel like he's made an okay decision for him. <laughs> well, yeah, I do, too. I like yeah. solving problems. Yeah. <laughs> of great import. Now, do you think we're meant to be with one person? Um, I, I think we are. Um, I, think, uh, I, I think I'm pretty romantic through the whole book. I think the right person is out there, and I think there is something magnificent about having a witness to your life. And um, I think for every bad story in this book, there's also like a wonderful story about, oh God, I was talking to some 80-year-old man at a party who was just clearly still so in love with his wife. Um, and we had made into a doll out of bear skin. We had made into a doll out of bear skin. <laughs> he was right there yeah, next to no. her. And he uh, told me that, you know, to me, she will always look exactly the way she looked when I first saw her when she was 25. Um, and she was almost 30 by then, so... Um, <laughs> no, she was very old. Because um, <laughs> aren't there turtles or some kind of baboons or something that live out in the wilds and kind of Mormon-like, just adding sister wives yep. uh, to uh, as yeah, fast as they of, can. Yeah, a lot of big mess animals. Um, I'd like to see a baboon sister wife <laughs> television You program. know they're competing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of brother husbands, though, are there? Not a lot of brother husbands. You yeah, know, so I feel like I'd be a great brother husband. <laughs> just sharing the workload? Just with... hanging out yeah. with mother bro hubs. <laughs> Cooking BBQ, sharing repair stories, you know. Yeah, that sounds... Having kind of very rationed out sexual experiences. Nice, yeah. No, just specific days. Regular schedule. Yeah, exactly. Just having things planned. I like routine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would like that you talk about fashion a lot too, right? I do talk about fashion I think the the sister-wife community, and specifically bro hubs, could Mm -hmm. probably use a fashion update. I I don't want anything high around the neck. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the minute they start dressing like Kardashians, it's the minute they'll be accepted by society. We'll just see this as like a cool new sexual frontier. Um, Less uh, Holly Hobby, more Kardashian. More Kardashian, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Holly Hobby, you know who I'm talking I about? I know who Holly Hobby <laughs> okay. is. All right. Sometimes I think I was the only one with that pool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you were you were also doing some kind of video comedy things, weren't you, with The Gloss? I was, yeah. No, I was an editor of The Gloss for What's about the three gloss? years. Well, The Gloss was a fashion and beauty website. It was? It, it supposedly was. It veered <laughs> off from that but, a lot. Um, but it still exists I, now. That's I believe I mean. it still it's exists still, now. still going. Yeah. Oh, you're, not, you're not in touch with them. <laughs> well, what you would be in these videos, you'd apply some kind of uh, uh, logic, either uh, relationship-wise mm-hmm. or executioner's logic, yep. to uh, cartoons or various fictional entities. Yes, uh, it was wed, bed, dead. So you had to figure out wed, if you would bed, dead. marry them, have sex with them, or kill them. So yeah. it's you know, a classic party game that we can play with any three people. <laughs> I enjoyed your take on uh, Goofy. <gasps> oh yeah, no, he's he's a dumb man. <laughs> you you so really. Weak. Dumb really egg. think he's yeah. a simpleton. He is. That's... You think he's not got like a secret heart no, of I, gold? No, I no. Well, I'm sure he has a heart of gold. I'm sure he has a kindness IQ of 175, but uh, <laughs> but he's a natural IQ of about 40. <laughs> 
Just dumb as a doornail. Just dumb as a box of rocks, yeah. <laughs> oh, goofy. But Donald, I think, wicked. Oh, yes. No, something evil. Something evil <laughs> lurking within him. Something <laughs> evil under his little sailor shirt. Uh-huh. No he never trousers. wore pants. No it's trousers. It's very disturbing that he never wore pants. But Daisy, I don't think. Did she wear a dress? Uh, well, Sometimes. I think she, yeah, I think she. I think she may I have worn I think she did. Dress. I think Donald was actively molesting one. everyone Just there. out there. Yeah. In it to win it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we... <laughs> so it's part of your job, though, to be hyper aware of what's going on pop culture-wise. Um, I mean, not much, much less now that um, that I don't work at a website. I mean, I think there are things that I certainly would have known much more about if I was still working at a website yeah. that you just don't when you have a longer lead time and aren't writing about pop culture every day. Right. <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you make of that uh, headdress thing that Sarah Jessica Parker had on? Oh, um, events are all about spectacle and yeah. I think that's interesting and I thought it was I thought Rihanna looked great and I think it's also interesting that she was the only one that wore an actual Chinese designer um, which you know maybe when on, this was girl China, is on it isn't she? she is god she's good man uh, that's the way to I, I admire everything about her <laughs> you think things are looking okay for us? I, yeah I hope so okay yeah. it sounds right you watched a lot of TV, though. You mentioned Mad Men TV. and Game of Thrones. Oh, TV's great. Are Sunday nights going to be the same for you when Mad Men is it's over? Be hard. I mean, like Keith Olbermann, who wants me to know that if you see me answer, he comes yeah. on and talks yes. about how, like, well, when Mad Men dies, it's and, like uh, going oh. to be like watching my father get executed in front of my eyes. <laughs> that's, that's right. And uh, Oprah's uh, lady friend. Gail. Gail also yeah. has thoughts. She's also um, a lot of... It's not. It's not going to be like watching my father die. My father is alive and well, so um, good, good. So I'm not that tied into it, but I am very excited to see how it ends. Yeah. Um, do Do you have thoughts? Do we Do we want to speculate on the ending? Will this be I, okay? I didn't even. I, I didn't realize that people had all these conspiracy theories oh, going around. How you DB Cooper? Uh, yes, but until like the last year or so, was I aware that all these things were supposed to? It is a unit to me. Because, and this is why I wasn't aware of those kind of conspiracy things and trying to wrestle it into the real world somehow, that this is a fictional uh, account. This is a thing that exists out there. It has some ties into it, but it's a completely separate universe. Oh, yes. And we see some things just so we know that we can like place it within yes. the context. But it should only end in in that world. He shouldn't suddenly cross over and become... You know, uh, and now he's Steve Jobs, <laughs> right? <laughs> or I said maybe he's Bob from Bob's Discount Furniture Store. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. That wouldn't be less satisfying to me to know that the whole time he was just lurking as part of our own history, mm-hmm. rather than out there forging his own. I don't think it's going to end well because I think, but I think it's going to end in ambiguity, the same way the whole thing has gone along. Well, I that's think, a lot of thinking about Mad oh, Men. No, but I do think one thing it does very well is that you get, I think, a very authentic sense of what it must have been like for people on the day Kennedy was assassinated. Um, just how that was a moment where the country stopped. Right. And I think unless you really like to read about history, those are things that are hard to convey to people. And I think the show does a great job of capturing what it would have been like on some very significant days in the nation's history. Right. Uh, Although I think that was even more true 
sort of pre 9-11 not to bring that into the whole mm -hmm. mix but like that was a reset of that whole oh yeah what if it would be different i want to mm -hmm. because you had also i think it just taken a deep dive into the mm -hmm. twilight zone right oh uh yeah no we're um we are watching it every night big it's fans all it's spectacular thing. it's great um, <laughs> but what's the scariest one for you oh the scare oh oh um oh can i tell you my favorite one instead yes. of the scariest one yes sure you don't um, have to be scary uh, all right, uh, the scariest one for me is when um, the little girl version comes back and she killed a person in her past, oh, yeah. and uh, that's that's a twist. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, my favorite one is one where this aging couple is able to get hot young robot bodies, oh, but yeah. they have to pay ten thousand dollars, and um, they can't be separated. They only have five thousand dollars, and. Um, the old man goes to like an underground poker game run by clearly a mobster, yep. and um, and he doesn't know how to play poker. The mobsters have to explain it to him, and you know he gets to his final hand, and he's lost all his money, but he could win back his five thousand dollars. And the mobster says, "Hey, sonny, what are you playing for anyway?" Um, and the man explains, like, well, it's about my wife. I just, I can't be separated from my wife. And the mobster has a winning hand, but he puts it down and he says, you won this round. And, um, it's, it's beautiful and heartbreaking. And, yeah. you know, they go back to the robot hot body people and, um, and they decide that the man should take his new young body so he won't be in pain all the time anymore and won't be in his 80s and... He takes it, and this young man comes out and spins around and dances with his 80-year-old wife, and he talks to her about how they can do everything they've ever wanted now. They can go on vacations. They can, they can do all the great things you can do when you're young. And his 80-year-old wife is still in her 80-year-old body, and she kind of nods slowly, and then he goes out to the other room and says, now I'm only holding him back. And you realize you're going to have to be separated, and then the man comes back and he's exchanged his hot new body for his old man body and said, I realized that I would rather just be there sitting with you. It's heartbreaking. I'm going to cry. I love that it. I love that beautiful. episode. It's that beautiful. is beautiful. Yeah. My goodness. Well, you do like things, any story that has somebody making a new version of themselves, though. I you do. You, do yeah. you are drawn to those. I know. Um, are there robots in the next room? <laughs> <laughs> You're working on something over here um, <laughs> with the dress form. I think a lot of people who come to New York want to make a new version of themselves, and they want well, to make a life that they dreamed into being a long time ago in their childhood. Um, I don't know if you did that, but <laughs> I certainly did. <laughs> well, there sure, you I had to you, from the ashes of that great breakup. Mm -hmm. I've reinvented myself. Mm -hmm. Now it's this uh, now moderately it's this beautiful, successful, beautiful podcast. podcast. It's so wonderful. <laughs> but uh, well, I was gonna. That's a that's a lovely that's a lovely one. And I was gonna uh, tell you mine oh, just tell, because tell it's. Uh, uh, I think. It wasn't the original series, mm -hmm. but I think in the 80s or so, they relaunched it. It was a relaunch They version. relaunched yes. the thing, and I think that it was part of this, and I don't remember all the details, but it was uh, something where they were time trappers or some kind of uh, people who lived in between the seconds, uh -huh. and uh, uh, they had to protect the timeline or something. I'm not exactly Best sure one does. who their employer <laughs> was, but every few moments, the show it would have stopped. And the scene would stop, and these guys in blue suits, you know, those kind of body suits that you wear, I guess, um, yeah, like green screen kind of mm -hmm. suits. Uh, they sell them for Halloween. Mm -hmm. 
now in case you want to be a frightening crayon or something. <laughs> but they were in blue, no faces, and they'd switch everything. They'd take everything and replace it with an exact replica of what it was. And this was, a, and I guess they were in a hurry mm-hmm. to get it all done within the mm-hmm. amount of, I don't understand, I didn't understand it. But that's the reason that we people in the normal world, we think we left our key somewhere and then we looked and it wasn't there. No. It's because somebody had goofed up. Mm-hmm. And one of these things resulted in like missing something, you know, they couldn't find their keys so they missed the thing, then they got in the mm-hmm. car and then they were hit by a train, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But it was a spooky idea that there's these things lurking out there in between time, mm-hmm. slipping between the second hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't. You like thinking about sci-fi stuff, though. Clearly, you do because you have all these. One thing I'm not a huge fan of, Mm -hmm. but I'm always compelled by Mm -hmm. what we're talking about with this Kennedy thing. That's why I want to bring it back to that because it's multiverses Mm -hmm. and this idea that every decision could spin off into a myriad of other decisions, and then those all exist within their separate Mm -hmm. universes. Mm -hmm. It gets a little, you know, dizzying. Oh well, we all do that, don't we? Everybody thinks about how if you know you. Stayed with one person if instead you had of stayed, another, or if you had gone to different answered that text at midnight. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there'd be a universe where uh, Henry VIII was okay with everybody. But that could have been a very well. He was syphilitic. He was oh. or maybe maybe he was syphilitic. We don't know for sure. <laughs> well, or maybe Carl Andre wouldn't have pushed. Uh, yet out the window if, yeah. if that is indeed what happened uh-huh. that's what people say a universe where I bought mint chocolate cookie instead of mint chocolate chip mm-hmm. everything would be different lots of potential yeah. is what I'm saying but with the Kennedy thing and a lot of people that write those because you're a writer mm-hmm. people who write those alternate timelines they're obsessed with either Kennedy being shot Yes. As the pivotal moment in which all history hinges, mm-hmm. or World War II. Well, it's one where we have videos. Um, those are things where we start to have videos. That's a different kind of... Honestly, that's where history gets much less interesting to me. I like a lot of disputing accounts. Um, there are a yeah. lot of stories in the book that, like, it's commonly accepted that this probably didn't happen, but it's a great story, so let's work right. it in well, anyway. Shouldn't writers, though, be more curious and go back into time a little bit more and say... This, like, what happened if that guy took a swim instead of, mm-hmm. said it went the other direction? Mm-hmm. More so than Kennedy being shot or not. He lives another term and then what? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Um, he's we, usually shot again. He's in probably, the, in, yeah. In, in, the, in the theory of, yeah. of Kennedy surviving in their quantum leap jump. Um, yeah, I've never understood why Kennedy is the big one for... Yeah. Um, I think it's what you were talking about before, though, that that was the moment that seems to be so... You know, you want to know what it was like to have the world stopped in, mm-hmm. such, a, in such a way. Everybody had not ex- thought about that. Yeah. Um, the next book I'm reading is all about terrible plagues in history. Oh. Uh, so. Um, Mostly it's the water, isn't it? A lot of it's the water. Uh, a, lot of it, a lot of it is the water or, or the lack of water. Uh, Nostradamus found out, like, you're probably not going to get bubonic plague if you clean yourself. Right. Which was a better strategy than hiding out in sewers, which was what people were legitimately doing with the yeah. thought that you'll be exposed to so much disgusting stuff that the plague won't find you. Uh, that's not a good plan. That's a terrible plan. <laughs> that was a bad plan for people for a lot of reasons. <laughs> that's like if I stay at this crummy job. I'll, I'll somehow rise somehow up. Somehow it'll, it'll work out great. I'll be recognized for my no. talents. Um, no. No. Get out of there. No. Well, you can't, you can't though, uh, go through life thinking also, what if? No. Right? Um, well, you can. But, um, 
<laughs> Will it lead anywhere? I've, I've always thought that my perfect version of heaven, which was based on a video game that I played when I was a child called Afterlife, um, was that you just got to sit in a movie theater and plug in if you'd done one thing oh. different, if you'd oh. gone to college differently, and you could watch the way your whole life would play out yeah. if you just made those one different choices. Um, that was the so video yeah, I game? Think, I think that would be endlessly d- What was the oh, game? No, you um, just put a quarter? No, the game, was, the game was people were very angry about SimCity and they started their own game called Afterlife Uh-oh. with various punishments and rewards in heaven and hell. So, right. But that was an especially inventive one. I liked it. <laughs> well, I don't regret anything about our time together, no, this Jennifer. Is lovely. It was no, lovely, so wasn't it, Spencer Mendes? Thank you again for your time, your generosity. The book is out November 3rd. It's out November 3rd. Of this year, 2015, in stores online everywhere. Look for it. I'm sure it's going to do great. Oh, thank you, Scott. I've seen the advanced copy, and it looks good. good. It's a real thing. We like and... the cover. It's the most important part of the book. <laughs> and where else can we find you if we were so inclined? Oh, well, uh, you can find me um, weekly, writing the eight-day week column for the New York Observer. Um Pretty often on Sundays in the Post, you can find me writing their current affairs column, um, mm-hmm. and I do a regular series on the history of fashion in Rack.com. Fantastic. That's great. <laughs> and uh, and be in Twitter and all that stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, and you can find me at Jen Ashley Wright on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, I don't know how you get more Instagram followers, well, so please follow me there. I'm enthusiastic <laughs> for our presence. <laughs> I, I, I keep paying people a lot of money to follow me with no oh, results. Oh, well... <laughs> They say it'll work. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. And now, folks, remember to check DaleRadio.com where it says our uh, where it says tour dates on there, and that's got all the info and ways to get tickets to our upcoming live shows. We've got a number of guest appearances that I'm doing uh, coming up in May, so look it up. And uh, till next time, I'll be dressing up an empty whiskey bottle in a Canadian tuxedo and referring to him as my bro hug. <laughs> now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is produced and performed by James Bewley. Musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season 7 theme song composed and arranged by Emily Danger. Season 7 podcast icon designed by illustrator Louis Chin. Posters for live shows this season by James Boyle, Annie Carbo, Claire Proush, and others. Live shows of Dale Radio are held every month at the Pit in New York City. Listen, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and or SoundCloud. For all the latest, visit DaleRadio.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best. <laughs>